Greetings, listeners in listener land. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston, where we size up current and historic events involving people, places, and things in areas such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, government, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports. We originate from and connect the Gateway City to our country's current cultural fabric and lives. I want to get to know the two people sitting in front of me because they have some exciting things happening very soon here in St. Louis. And we have uh, Prasanna Castori and Samanvita Castori are both here in studio. And I will let them talk a little bit about themselves, but... I want to give a little brief introduction. Mr. Castori is the Artistic Director of Soria Performing Arts in St. Louis. He has performed internationally and also here in the United States. He's established many arts academies in India and here in the United States. He comes from a family of literature and music. And Samanvita has performed at the Sheldon, at the Webster Arts Fair at the Muni, and also she won the prestigious Fox Teen Talent Competition and performed there also. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune, both of you. Thank you. Thank you for having us here. It's Now, the reason you guys are here is you have been working on a just an unbelievable kind of performance that's going to be held at the Two Hill Performing Arts Center Saturday, August the 13th, 2022, and it's entitled, let me pronounce this correctly, <laughs> Samarpan. Samarpan, right. What is Samarpan? Samarpan is a Sanskrit word for sacrifices, independence, uh, movement. A lot of uh, millions of people gave up their lives, uh, livelihoods. So the Indian subcontinent can be um, self-ruled, freedom. So Samarpan basically means sacrificing. Sacrifice to get independence and freedom. Yes, yes. And we're talking about this because it is the 75th anniversary of India's independence. That's right. This is the 75th year of independence. Prime Minister Modi, he wanted to make this a special event because it's 75 years of independence. So he made it something called Amrut Mahotsav. That's the way to celebrate the beautiful feeling of nectar of freedom. So Amruta means nectar. So he wanted to do people to remember because after 75 years people do forget if somebody got them the independence so he wanted to make it a big thing so in india a lot of events are happening all across the globe also a lot of indians indians are celebrating and we from here we thought we can instead of just celebrating we can remember who gave us the independence so that's the main reason why we are doing this huge production called samarpan now i want to be able to help teach, for lack of better words, but inform listeners of the Indian culture a little bit, because you talked about the nectar, yes. <laughs> and, which, which is a different kind of thought process that I think a Western mm-hmm. person would have. Describe that a little bit more so people understand exactly. I g- get what you're saying from mm-hmm. that, but I want to hear that from you specifically. Nectar, basically, in this con- concept, is, is basically the one which gives you life back. So that's what it means. So in this, in, in the context of our India's independence, it getting back the freedom is getting the life back to decide what you want to do, how you want to live. During the British colonialism, nobody had any independence to make their own decisions. It was pretty hard. Ancient mythology, when somebody has an actor, he was he will never die. <laughs> hmm, so okay. that's a whole thing. It's called Amruta means Amruta means day, dead, getting dead. Amruta means eternal. So eternal feeling of uh, happiness will only come 
if somebody is free to think, free to do what he wants to do. So that's why this Amrutam Hotsava is, okay, you have been given this freedom for so many years, so use it carefully, otherwise somebody else will, you may lose it. So Amruta is basically something eternal. That's something that I think everyone in every country needs to appreciate. Every human being should, yes. As I went back and did a little history of India and found several things that I was not aware of, specifically the number of troops that were sent in World War One and yes. World War Two, I was not aware of that at all. Yes. Was and millions perished yes. from yes. who came from India to fight for the British. I was really surprised about that. That's something I learned in my discovery about this. Yeah, yeah, so, it, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. so we're actually doing a scene uh, about what you were just talking about, about the Quit India movement, and it's where, so World War II was happening, and the British were, like, using India to produce food and, like, supplies for the war effort, but all of those supplies were only going to the war effort, leaving the Indian population with little to no food, and it led to a huge crisis, a huge shortage in food, and we had this great famine going on, and I didn't know about a lot of these histor- historical events, but... As we were dancing and rehearsing, it's very emotional to enact the lives of people who've had their food and resources taken away from them, and they don't even have, like, a choice in that. So it was new for me as well, for a lot of kids my age. Like, we don't know a lot about these historical events, so it's very eye-opening for us as well. And I was reading that you were not really doing this for the youngsters, but it's a celebration, but also... It's a passing down of a heritage and a history that maybe some are not aware of, as your daughter was talking about. And so let's take this apart a little bit, uh, the production. (laughs) Because before uh, we went on the air, you were saying you just got done completing some of the (laughs) last-minute kinds of things, which which I think is typical. Yes. And they're never really quite done. No, not done. (laughs) Still, there's more things to do. (laughs) And so the intended audience for this production is? Anyone who is interested in knowing about liberty and freedom. They invest, uh, liberty and freedom comes only Western point of view. But when you start applying in on a humanity basis, it applies to everybody. Absolutely. Anybody who loves to see, okay, any a, a huge population being suppressed by a, min- a small population. The size of England is probably one fifteenth of size of India. So imagine 200,000 people are suppressing 300 million. You know, we didn't fight violently until the last minute. So we, Gandhiji said, okay, let's go with nonviolence. That's one of the major tools he gave to the universe. Anybody who likes human attributes, human qualities, they should come and watch our show. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people don't know about this. As you mentioned, World War II, the entire Indian subcontinent was dragged into the World War II, which is basically a European conflict. A lot of our resources were taken into it. So whereas the 25% GDP of India at 1600, it, it reduced to 0.0% GDP when in British left. So who took the wealth? Britain talks about Magna Carta and, and uh, democracy and everything. Still talks about fighting about fascism against Hitler. But he is the same guy. He said he doesn't want to give any independence to India. Why is that? So that one-sided thinking of democracy doesn't work anywhere in the world. So this is what we, this is open for anybody who loves democracy, who loves the thought of freedom. They should come and watch because they don't know this. And I don't think in America kids are taught about anything about this huge independence movement which happened in, you know, in, in a subcontinent, this scale. I don't think anybody knows it. So we talk about July 4th, talking about independence, freedom, liberty. It should apply for human, all humans, right? So anybody who likes that kind of concepts, they are free-minded. They should come and watch so, as a matter of fact, this show is for everybody. 
it's done in seven languages including english we put other languages so the people can see there are languages which were grown for so many centuries making a language is not easy so they have to come and listen and see okay oh there are people their cultures their traditions their civilizations which respect this golden ideas of freedom and liberty so when things are spoken or sung in a language that's not english will it be translated or will it just be i was thinking of translating it but i did not do it okay. because anytime there's a pain anytime anytime there's a bondage anytime there's a freedom anytime there's a slavery anytime there is a suppression people don't need a language mm, that's can, correct it's, they can easily understand it so we left it to the imagination of people there is mm-hmm. the music is extremely mm-hmm. of that we have gone done it from a, one of the brightest minds of musician his name is chami he has done amazing music you don't need to learn, understand language at all so we are of course we are presenting the booklets which have story lines we are making a little bit of announcement for each scene so that should tell we wanted to do based on the regions of india which were occupied very cleverly by east india company from 1600s to 1857 so unfortunately or fortunately indian kings fought with each other so it's very cleverly they occupied one at a time so each language represent each part of the india how they slowly annexed so i we need to use the originality there <laughs> so yeah. we use the languages of those particular mm-hmm. uh, pieces although i wrote entire poetry for the entire 32 scenes but i we got it translated to each area languages by people here and i appreciated what you said that was if you understand conflict and you understand suffering and it's portrayed through drama but it's also portrayed through music and dance and art yes it uh, is and they portray very graphic and very emotional kinds of things that is true so i get that you really don't need the translation of that you don't need as a matter of fact we in india we have close to like around 22 languages the guy who is doing the lighting design his name is gaurang bhavsar he is a gujarati he speaks different language but i wrote in a south indian language for kannada he sat down and said prasanna ji you don't need to change it to any language your language, your emotions are so beautiful you don't need to do plus just leave it as it is because nobody can translate the way you have written and uttered those words in terms of spirit of freedom i don't think it should change but still i changed few things because i wanted to be close to the heart of people who raise their voice against suppression. Yeah, when did you start when did you start thinking about this? When did this idea start to come to fruition in your mind and your heart? I I really need to do that or was it always there and it's just been this building until you got to a point where wow, this would be a great time to do this. We have done it in little little short dramas on this one. but never did a full scale one in 1919 i thought okay let's put all the things together one of the main reason for that is, is to because i am a naturalized citizen here from india so i wanted to show something about indian culture indian freedom movement also because not many people knew so from 9, 2019 i started working on it so we got the music recorded in 2020 january so we wanted to present it for last year august covid came it got moved fortunately we were doing in the 75th year it has 365 mm-hmm. days fortunately that's why we are doing it before it is august 15th which is the 76th independence day so we wanted to do on august 13th so it's like 2 to 2 to 3 years of work okay put it in put in this project okay we are talking to prashana kasturi 
and Samavita Kasturi, and we're going to come back and we're going to kind of take apart these scenes a little bit and okay. give our listeners a little visual about what they can expect and talk about what kind of dancing you're going to be doing. You might be doing some singing, too. I don't know. <laughs> we'll we'll uh, get into that. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston of St. Louis in Tune. We'll be right back for our next segment. Each time that we plan a show for St. Louis in Tune, we strive to bring you informative, useful, and reflective stories, as well as interviews about current and historic issues and events that involve people, places, and things. And while St. Louis In Tune originates from the Gateway City and covers local topics, we also connect what's going on nationally as well. Our topics cover a wide range of arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, health, history, housing, humor, justice, sports, and that's just to name a few. We know there's many radio stations, programs, even podcasts that you could be listening to, and we're glad that you've chosen to listen to St. Louis In Tune. If you've missed any of our previously aired programs of St. Louis In Tune, simply visit stlintune.com. That's STL intune.com there you'll find every show from our first to our most current use the search engine to look for a show that might interest you from one of the many topics that we've covered and drop us a line and tell us how we're doing you can do that at stlintune at gmail.com that's stlintune at gmail.com st louis in tune heard monday through friday on the u.s radio network.com and many great radio stations around the U.S., and, of course, right here in St. Louis. And don't forget, check out our website, stlintune.com. That's stlintune.com. Welcome back to St. Louis In Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston. We are having a conversation with Prasanna Kasturi and Samavita Kasturi about the performance coming up at the Two Hill Performing Arts Center on Saturday, August the 13th, and that is at 6 p.m. And, if, folks, if you want tickets for that, you need to go to the Two Hill Performing Arts Center website, which is twohill.universitytickets.com, twohill.universitytickets.com, and you can go in there and find some information about that. So this is about Samora Pan, and the guests that we have are part of i'm trying to get all my pronunciation correct uh, everybody listening out there so i don't embarrass myself in front of our guests mr kasturi is the artistic director of the surya per- performing oh, arts in st louis and we've been talking about the production that is music and dance and art and lighting the whole nine yards about that has formulating in his mind for two to three years pandemic pushed it off a little bit and Let's give listeners a little visual expectation of what they can, what they will expect when they come to the performance on August the 13th, because many people are not familiar with Indian dance or Indian music. They may not be familiar with that. What will they see when they come? Do you want to explain? Oh, sure. So the two styles that we specialize in at Surya Performing Arts is Bharatnatyam and Kathak. Bharatnatyam is mainly practiced and originated from South India. 
and Kathak is mainly practiced in North, originated in North India, but everybody dances it. And so stylistically, they're a little bit different. Bharatanatyam, I guess you could compare it to ballet if you wanted to, in terms of like structure and like technique. And Kathak is very famous for its like really quick turns and like mm-hmm. quick paced footwork. And so those are the two main dance styles that we're using in this production. Okay. But we've also experimented with a lot of folk dances, like from like specific regions and specific areas. We've taken those dances and tried to apply them to the region that the music is supposed to be representing. So we have a mix of traditional art forms and folk dances. And we also have quite a few fighting sequences, which might be interesting and exciting for the audience to watch. So yeah, it's a mix of acting and dancing, different styles of dancing and a lot of like action on stage as well. So it's going to be really exciting for people to watch. And seven languages, correct? Eight totally. Eight, eight total languages. And how many performers will people see? Like I was reading... They're close to like around 120 people involved in this project. At any point of time, there'll be at least 50 to 60 people on the stage. Sometimes it's less, sometimes it's more. And uh, most of the, the scenes are set as much close to the dress code of that particular time. Mm-hmm. So we are trying to get a British soldier of 1850s is wearing approximately Civil War attires of America. So we are trying to get matched that one. So you can see specific forms for British Army and specific uniform from Indian King's armies. And we got a lot of cannons coming in, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of rifles coming in. All fake, by the way. So right. we had to do it in wood. We didn't want to get anything, something. It looked alike once. So there's a lot of drama on the stage with a lot of beautiful costumes. I don't think people should have any problem in understanding the sequence when when in the early british sailors who came to india they tried to do sales pitch with some local vendors they, you can see people are coming and asking can you sell me this particular goods it's very easy to not understand right. those because they are indian people with indian costumes british coming in this red coats and hats and there's a big ship coming like around, around 30 feet long tall we are trying to bring a real ship there. It's very interesting. We're experimenting with a lot of problems. It's pretty easy. The flow of the story should flow without even knowing the languages. Do you start like 1,400 years ago to give a little background, or are you starting right at the independence time? Or where do you start? Actually, this? it's not 1,400 years here. It is actually 1604 is the time okay. when they came to India. Okay. British sailors came. Before that, Portuguese came. Vasco da Gama is the first one to come to the east, western uh, India. But it's the British who really went directly to the emperor, Mughal emperor called Jahangir. So they went and asked him for a special permission called Farman. So they asked him and that beautiful scene is they set up with a lot of palace scene, what we call it. So we are setting up the scene and the king, the emperor is sitting and they come and ask. So it, has, it starts from 1615 where they established the first post, trading post in a place called and then it goes all the way to 1947. It's approximately 350 to 360 years, but we summed it back to 400 years because Vasco da Gama came like much earlier than British arrived. Got you. Now, obviously, you got your dancing bug from your <laughs> father and mother, but did you... Now, this is going to be a tough question because he's sitting right here. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know what you... <laughs> did you feel pressured to do that, or was that something that was a natural kind of thing that you wanted to do. So like dance in general? Yes. I think, so when I was younger, I really did not take it seriously. Like I was just coming to class and like, 
making jokes and distracting everybody and then he'd yell at me and I'd be like oh sorry and then I'd keep talking just that kind of thing but I think I naturally grew into becoming serious into dance I think they tried to push me here and there but they mostly left it for myself because it's it's our own artistic journey mm-hmm. figuring out how we connect to the art form and what mm-hmm. we like about it so I definitely grew into it on my own to the point where I'm now like I'm a junior at SLU and I'm declared a dance minor. So that's definitely something that I want to be doing as a part of my career. Mm-hmm. I grew into loving dance, especially Bharatanatyam Nati Kathak, Indian classical dancing. So I was really excited for this production and I'm very happy to be here and no pressure. Sometimes there's a little pressure, obviously, because I have to manage classes and help teach people and coordinate practices. But besides that, I'm doing it out of my own like enjoyment. I really do love dancing. Mm-hmm. So. In your background, your parents were both very active in literature and I would say in the arts based upon what I've read. Yes. When was when did you start getting involved with that? My parents have written close to like around 700 books in a language called Kannada. Wow. So my father always wrote every single day around 2-3 hours in the mornings. Wow. So he is the inspire, inspiring person. My mother is a strong backbone. They my father wanted to dance at when he was young he ran away from his house to a place called calcutta where there was a famous guy uday shankar who is the brother of shankar so he wanted to learn with them but he could not cope up with the expense no support there he came back but in his mind he had that idea somebody has to learn dancing so it started with my brother and i was walking him to the dance class and i was watching there and i came back you did he should do this way that way correctly i was helping <laughs> <laughs> my father said do you want to learn dancing I said I don't mind. So it started in 1974-75 time frame. So okay. It's been a quite a journey of what last 45 years. And you've taken I don't want to say lessons, but you've for like a better word you've taken lessons in a variety of places around the world. Yes, I did. I was fortunate to have great teachers like my guru Maya Raj. She's she's the one who went to Bolshoi Theater in Russia on a special scholarship from Indian government. She stayed in Russia for Three years to learn choreography with the mm-hmm. Bolshoi Theatre, and she's we can call as a mother of choreography ideas in India. Mm-hmm. There used to be classical dances, not choreography. Mm-hmm. So she brought the choreographic concepts of West into India. Okay. So I learned with her almost like ten years with them in my early childhood, and then I later stages I was able to learn with my gurujis like Vijay Maharaji, who's one of the topmost legendary dancer in India, and my Bharatanatyam. I learned with my another great teacher she is she comes from a tradition of Mysore style of dancing Tashinwasan this another lady called Narma she is from another south indian style called Pandanalu so these are all very well rooted teachers they devoted and dedicated their lives for dancing so i am very fortunate to learn with them apart from that i took lot of workshops here and there so i learned with great music musicians so to have idea of music singing because most of this the production music i gave i have the basic idea then i'll talk to the music director so fortunate to la- have great teachers without teachers we don't have i'm very humble to them till now their blessings are on my head <laughs> but you've done something that some performers do and i would say most not it's a generalization that you have really started your own performing arts center and you're teaching dance to really anyone but mainly youth and your daughter even was in the classes and I know how that works okay. <laughs> I'm not a dancer though but my dad was a PE teacher and oh, was like, oh okay yeah. like, uh, so I can identify yeah. 
But that is something in giving back and continuing what you've learned and giving the heritage and instilling that. Do you see a lot of interest from not only the Indian community, but the American community? Yeah, they they do come. It all uh, depends on how much we can offer to them. As a full-scale software engineer, and I at, at one point of time, I said, okay, let me do what nobody's doing here. There was right. not a full-scale performance school. There was one or two here, but not somebody who can create a dance festival so they can show the beautiful Indian dances. So we did that. So I left my job in 2002. So my it was a very well-paying software job. If you see, look here, left and right, all Indians are IT guys, are <laughs> doctors. I left that job very because... I wanted to be an ambassador of culture. Mm-hmm. That's very important. So uh, I started that. Then I brought dance festivals. We have done close to 13 dance festivals in St. Louis and music festivals. We got, uh, we invited a lot of uh, artists from India, from from locally from United States, a lot of dance groups. They come and perform every year. So this, Samarpan is only a special program for us, but we do other festivals in a regular way. So people do come. We had a lot of, not a lot of Americans, because it takes a little bit of understanding of learning a traditional art forum. It's a little hard for them. Many people came and tried, and they did learn quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Had few people. And most of our students are mostly Indian, because they wanted mm-hmm. to, you know, understand the culture for their children. So best thing is to learn dancing. Absolutely. <laughs> because Absolutely. it's a dance sits on top of everything. They should know the language. They should know the music. They should know the stories. They should know the scenarios, everything. So... A lot of Indian parents send their children to understand the cultural part of it. And how much of that heritage and that initial dance that you've learned, like from your dad and even from your mom, has really helped you in other portions and other kind of functions of dance? I will say that I think learning from my father and my mother has definitely given me like a different experience compared to other people because I sit at home and I watch them work like continuously for festivals and for productions and like anything any other projects that they're heading on and because I see that I think I actually have genuine interest in not only the dancing part of it but like he said it's not just dance music storytelling it's the scenario it's the environment it's there's so much to take into consideration beyond dancing Mm -hmm. so I think one thing that I learned is like taking consideration the literature of the dance that you're trying to portray. That's a very important thing to take into consideration because we have to like portray expressions, right? Mm-hmm. You need to know the meaning of each song. Mm-hmm. Sometimes to know the meaning, you have to know the time period. So it's a, you have to have almost a, like a historical angle when you're looking right. at dances. And yeah, it's very, it's not just dance, it's culture, it's mm-hmm. representation, it's many different things for me. That's a great way to describe that because the arts are something that, how do I say this so I can make sure I understand this. <laughs> it, it really overlaps a lot of different things. When you talk about song and when you talk about dance and when you talk about literature and poetry, it really expresses the feelings of what are happening at the time. And to understand another, what I would say another culture, is very important. To, and, you, and I'm glad you said what you said about the languages because I don't need to understand the eight different languages. No, I don't need I to. just need to... Pay attention, Yes. listen, and watch, and let my heart speak for what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing. And I think that's going to be good. Final closing thoughts you guys have about for our listeners out there. Yeah, Arnold is, Samarpani is basically a symbol of human qualities, human emotions, 
and if anybody believes this particular feelings and laws or rules whatever a humanity has created it has to be uniform for every human beings they should come and watch because samarpan really represents that that the divide what we always call okay rich and poor north and south east and west black and white so why are we forming those thing if we know that from so many millions of years so this is not necessary we are all from the same one single earth we have to understand and live together so that particular information is the one i need to pass to my listeners here so if they believe in that they should come and watch our show because that's what we are trying to do yeah i agree with everything that he said but i also think especially for the youth not only for like indian kids but all you people my age in general i think this is a really great educational opportunity cuz this is a whole time period that we are not taught in mm-hmm. school like what we were talking about like world war 2 we didn't even know i didn't know indian soldiers were even involved i didn't even know my country was involved right more so like against their will honestly so this is a very great educational opportunity but it's also engaging it's artistic there's so many people on stage and it's very empowering to see everybody come together and perform together for one cause and everybody's so driven and motivated and i know it's going to be a really enjoyable and educational experience so i hope that everybody comes and watches sounds great summer pond will be presented saturday august the 13th at 6 p.m. at the Two Hill Performing Arts Center if you want more information for tickets go to Two Hill that's t o u h i l l .universitytickets.com that's the UMSL website University of Missouri St. Louis and i want to thank Prasanna Kastori and Samavita Kastori for coming in and talking about that thank you very much thanks so much thank you we're glad you listened to this episode of St. Louis in Tune please share this podcast or tell a friend St. Louis in Tune is produced in cooperation with KWRH 929 FM and Motif Media Group. For St. Louis in Tune, I'm Arnold Strickland.